Hey, good morning, everybody. We got a great service plan. Would you stand? We're going to get started. All right, come on, sing this out. As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit, come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit, come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. Come down. Spirit, when you move, you make my heart beat. When you fill the room, you're here and I know you are moving. I'm here and I know you will fill me. Come down. Spirit, when you move, you make my heart beat. When you fill the room, you're here and I know you are moving. I'm here and I know you will fill me. Oh. Day it is so excited that you're here at Spirit Church this morning. We're not done yet, we're going to continue worshiping 
in just a moment, but kind of in that same spirit, we're going to say the Lord's Prayer together. We're going to pray together as we do every single week in the way that Jesus taught us to pray. So if you join me, the words will be on the screen. Let's pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Can we give him praise one more time? We serve an incredible God, and we're going to continue worshiping, so uh, just join together. Let's just keep worshiping this morning. Let's worship.
That's our prayer this morning. God, we surrender our hearts. Help us to lay anything we're holding back before you at your feet. At this time, as we make room, we'd like to invite our prayer team up. If you have a need, if you need somebody to connect with you, to pray with you, they'll be up here. Nothing else. 
here today because, Lord, you paid the ultimate price, and you made a way for us to be in right relationship with you. So, Father, here today, can we just begin to declare how worthy you are? If you're in this place, can you just begin in your own way? God, you are worthy of it all, Lord. You paid the price that we did not deserve for you to pay for us, God. You made the way. You are the Lord and Savior. You continue to provide in ways that only you can, Jesus. So, God, I pray that here in this place today, we can just continue to press into your presence. That, Lord, we can say you are truly worthy of it all. Because, Lord, you still have the best that is yet to come. There's still the hope at the end of the tunnel because of the price that you paid. Whenever we come into your presence, Lord, and when everything is ar around us is crumbling, we can still hold tightly and hold firmly on to what we have. And that is the eternal hope because you have paid the price. You are worthy of it all. Let that be the anthem of our hearts here today, God. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. If you believe he's worthy of it all, let's give him one more shout of praise this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You are worthy of it all.
So, I've got a few things for you, but to start off, turn to somebody that you don't know, introduce yourself, say good morning, and ask them what time they woke up to actually show up to the 9.30 service. My bets all the students show, showed up, woke up at like 9 a.m., they were barely ready by 9.20, and you guys were hustling in the door. You know what I'm saying? Awesome, awesome, awesome. Once you guys have done that, you can grab a seat. Last week, we had an incredible night at our one-night event at our youth group. So if you are a student, 6th through 12th grade, and you're looking for a community to get plugged into, you're like, I need some friends that love Jesus and that are going to help me when I'm too weak to continue on myself, we have the perfect place for you. And not only do we have that community, but man, we like to show that church can be fun on Sunday nights, amen? Come on, we like to have a good time with the next generation, but we want to give you guys a quick peek into what we did last Sunday night in hopes that you'll join us on another one. From personal experience, there were a lot of washing machines that were working overtime last Sunday night. How many of y'all experienced that at your house? That was awesome. Well, today I have the opportunity to tell you about something that's really fun coming up for the Ladies of Spirit Church. We have the Ladies Tea coming up May 13th, and it is for ages 12 and up. So if you are age 12 or older, this is for you. This is our main ladies event of the whole year, so we're super excited about it. Last year, we sold out of tickets, and we are well on our way this year. So if you have not got one yet, please go see Kelly at the information booth after this and pick one up for you. Um, I want to tell you that this year, our theme is Presence Over Perfection. I read a book a few months ago by Shauna Nyquist that was called Present Over Perfect, and it really touched my heart, and it's been on my heart for a really long time, and so I wanted to share some of that with you. Um, so we're just going to talk about the need to connect, the need to be in the moment with the people that you love the most, and the need to be in the moment with the Lord and not think about all the things that are spinning and the plates that are spinning, the things that are in our mind all the time. I know that's a struggle for a lot of ladies, regardless of the stage of life that you're in. So we're going to be talking about that um, on May 13th. It's from 10 to 12. Be sure and get your tickets. Also, one of the best parts of that is the table decoration. So we need you to sign up to decorate a table. See, these are some examples from last year. It can be in any theme that you want. Last year, we had a Christmas table, a Hawaiian table. We even had a Scrabble table. So if you have some creativity, or even if you don't, if you can copy something on Pinterest, sign up um, with Kelly to decorate a table. You can do it by yourself. You can do it with family. You can do it with friends. You can do it with your small group. Um, any way that you do it, we need you to help participate in this because we are opening up extra tables this year in hopes that we don't run out of tickets. So we appreciate that. We cannot wait to see you there. Turn your attention um, to the screen because Letty's going to give you some more announcements this morning. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Spirit Church. My name is Letty, and we're so happy you're here. Whether you're here in person or joining us online, we consider you part of our family, and we'd love to connect. If you're here in person, you can use this QR code on the screen next to me to fill out your Connect card or your new guest card. And if you're joining us online, you can fill it out by going to spirit.church slash guest or spirit.church slash connect. This is a great way for you to stay connected and for us to serve your family better. If you're new to Spirit Church, welcome. Pastor Jason and Robin would love to meet you in the Welcome Center right after this worship experience. They just want to meet your family, give you a gift, and say thanks for being our guest today. Also, if you're a guest, please don't feel any pressure to give. Instead, let this service be our gift to you. But if you're here and you want to give, here are three ways that you can. You can use a giving envelope and drop it in either kiosk in the commons area. You can give online on our website by going to spirit.church slash give. Or, as always, you can give on your Spirit Church app. 
Spirit Church, it's because of your generosity that we are able to continue reaching the least, last, and lost. Now I've got a few announcements for you. We cannot wait to celebrate the class of 2023 at graduation Sunday on May 7th. If you're graduating from high school, please submit a senior photo, the name of your high school, and a short description of your next steps to Gabby at SpiritChurch.com. All submissions are due by next Sunday, April 30th. VBS is fast approaching, and we need your help to make it happen. We are looking for volunteers to serve June 5th through 7th from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. We believe as the body of Christ, we are responsible to disciple the next generation, and we want you to be a part of that. So sign up at spirit.church slash sign up. If you are new to Spirit Church, you are invited to our new people party next Sunday following the 11 o'clock experience. We want you to meet our staff, learn more about who we are, and enjoy a free lunch on us. You can sign up to attend on our website at spirit.church sign up. And lastly, today is the last day for Spirit Kids to sign up for Kids Camp in July. So make sure you sign up in the kids' hallway today before you leave. Spirit Church, we love you. Thanks for listening. Now let's get out our message notes as Pastor Jason comes to continue our message series on heaven. Good morning. Glad to have you here. What an awesome looking crowd. Come on, you can do better than that. You look good this morning. Come on, give it up. Give it up. Yeah. Before we dive in, let me just say very quickly, all through the month of April, we've been talking about our Home for the Next 100 Years campaign. And let me say again from my heart, thank you to those who have committed and to those who have already begun giving. We've already had over $40,000 that, that has come in towards that campaign. So thank you for that. We really appreciate that. Can you give without making a commitment? You bet you can. Can you still make a commitment? You bet you can. There's cards right here in the back or at the information table or the easiest way to get information about this campaign is spirit.church slash home. Spirit.church slash home is just the easiest way that you can do that. And so thank you, thank you, thank you for being a part of what God is doing. As you can see, we, you're, you're now the second service. We've already had a first service. And for some of you, I see Cheryl, we've already had your husband and daughter in the first service and you're here in second service. And so it's just opening up Jeremiah and his family, opening up opportunities for us to keep reaching one more. And that's the vision. That's our heart's desire is that God would continue to allow us to reach one more. All right, this morning we're going to John chapter 14. So if you have your Bible or your device that can access John chapter 14, we're going to go there. But first, let me tell you a story about a man named John. He was a pilot. He was flying a 737 from Cleveland to Detroit. It was a normal day. There were clear blue skies. There were light winds. He had a plane full of passengers. The takeoff had been smooth, and now that they were at their cruising altitude of about 36,000 feet, uh, John decided it would be a good time for him to step out to use the restroom and top off his coffee. His co-pilot that day was a lady named Julie, and John really liked flying with her because she was an excellent aviator, um, but more than that, she paid attention to details, and she could be trusted if he needed to step out of the cockpit. So while he's out there getting his coffee, there was a flash that was brighter than lightning. There was a sound that was louder than thunder. And John immediately knew, I've got to get back in control of the aircraft. He raced to the door and said, Julie, let me in. What happened? But there was no response. Julie, what's going on? He pounded on the door. Still no answer. He reached in his pocket. Thankfully, he still had the cockpit key in there. Fumbling around, he got it in the lock, opened the door, but Julie wasn't there. He hears screams coming from the back of the cabin. Where's my baby? He immediately shuts the door behind him, locks it, and puts his headphones on to call air traffic control. Before he can even speak, he hears those words, Mayday, 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 going across the airways. It's a script straight out of Hollywood, right? It's a, it's a producer's dream script that they would put on the big screen. They, they use uh, intense action and make a thriller that will keep you on the edge of the seat, but most of all, they will sell a lot of tickets. And in many ways, Satan operates like Hollywood movie producers. He tries to manipulate us with fear. But Satan takes it to a whole new level. He wants us to be scared about the end he wants us to be worried about things that are to come. Satan uses fear not like a movie to entertain us. He uses fear to immobilize us, to keep us where we are, to manipulate us. The reality is most of us don't spend a lot of time thinking about the end times. And when we do think about the end times, it's usually weird or scary or nerve-wracking. We think about planes crash landing, highways imploding, tidal waves destroying cities. 
We think about volcanoes erupting, extreme temperature changes, plagues of locusts swarming across a city skyline. Our, our mind goes to places like monsters, beasts, and demons attacking and harming everyone and everything in sight because fear and uncertainty lurk around every corner. The truth of the matter, the reality is that Satan loves to freak people out about the end. But the other part of that statement is the reason Satan wants to freak people out about the end is because Satan himself is freaked out about the end because he knows what awaits him at the end. In response to Satan's manipulation and tactics and intimidation, Jesus begins with these simple words, don't let your hearts be troubled. In other words, Jesus tells us, do not fear. Now today we're going to tackle some topics that are difficult and if we're taken in the wrong mindset can bring fear but in response to that fear Jesus says you trust God trust me so I'm going to invite you to stand we're going to say together our in the vault text this is the verse we've been working on all month long and what we believe as a church family is in uh, placing the word of God in the vault of our heart next Sunday morning is our quotation stations. We're going to be checking in, and those who have memorized the verse, we have some Spirit Church sunglasses for you that you're going to win. Now, I received a video this week from our junior high, our middle school small group, and Clayton Kaufman was leading that group. He's back, I think, in kids' ministry right now, but he was teaching junior hires, and they were all reciting the verse, and so I'm just going to tell you publicly, I am not going to let a junior high kid outquote me next Sunday morning for the In the Vault text, okay? Anybody with me? You're going you're gonna to work on this. we still got a week. Some of you, Lori and Lisa back there in the back, said they already got it memorized. They're ready to go. So we're going to do this. So let's say it together this morning. One, two, three. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am and you know the way to where I am going. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Jesus, we thank you because we know you and you are the way. In fact, later in this passage, you said clearly, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So this morning, as we study your word, would my voice not fill this room, but would your Holy Spirit speak to our hearts? Fill this place, Lord. We want to be touched by you. We want to be challenged and changed by your word. We want to be more like you. We ask this to all be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you're seated this morning. And we're talking about heaven because we believe God has called us as a church to keep reaching one more and, and let me just say how many at one point in your life you were the one more and God reached you somebody reached you I mean we've all been there and now it's our opportunity to reach one more for the kingdom and so that's why we're doing this but in talking about these topics we're looking at a lot of scripture last Sunday and again this Sunday I'm just prepping you there's going to be a lot of scripture that is on the screen but can I encourage you take out your Bible as well Take out your phone as well. Look at it for yourself. And the reason I say that is because the Bible is living and it's active and it speaks to our hearts. Now, are there difficult parts to the Bible? You bet there are. There's some difficult parts, but we're not going to avoid them just because they're difficult or they're hard. We're going to dive in because they're just as relevant and true as the easy parts, so we're not going to gloss over them. In fact, some of these more difficult parts we call doctrine. Doctrine's just a big word. It means the things that we believe. And there are beliefs that are essential that we all hold true and that we all affirm. We all as Christians believe that Jesus was born of a virgin, that he lived a sinless life, that he died on the cross for our sins, that he was resurrected from the grave, that he's the only way to heaven. We believe that Jesus is alive today, that he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and we don't know exactly when, but we believe at some time Jesus will come again. How many are excited that Jesus is coming back again? And we believe that. Now, exactly how that will happen, when that will happen, there's a lot of uncertainty about it. So in our teaching and in our study, we are going to avoid conspiracy theories. I know that upsets some people. We're going to avoid political statements. We're not going to go into ideas or opinions. We're going to base everything on what the Word of God says. That's the only thing that we're going to base it on. 
That being said, there's going to be a lot of it on the screen this morning, so get ready for it. Here's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to talk about the rapture, the tribulation, the millennial or thousand-year reign of Christ, the final judgment, and the new heavens and the new earth. This morning, unlike most mornings, I don't have a point structure for you that we're going to follow. So it's not going to be point one to point two to point three to point ten. I know you like it when I have seven or eight points and, you know, really get going long. We don't have that. We just got a general overarching theme, and it's three words. Do not fear. Would you say that with me? Do not fear. See, Satan tries to manipulate and intimidate and play through fear, but Jesus prepares us for what is to come. So here's where we are in the story. Jesus comes to the earth. He lives a sinless life. He dies on the cross for our sin. He rose from the dead, and then he empowers us or commissions us to continue the work. Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, he says, Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone, and we do this until Jesus comes again, and we believe that Jesus will come again. And here's part of why we believe it is based on Acts chapter 1, verse 6. So again, if you have your Bible or your phone, Acts chapter 1, if you uh, have the Spirit Church app, the notes are right there for you under message notes, and you can follow along or study this later this week. But in Acts chapter 1, Jesus has already risen from the dead. He has gone to the Father, and now he comes back to earth. The Bible tells us that over a period of about 40 days, He appears to people. He appears to two people at one time. Then he appears to his disciples. At one point, he appeared to even 500 people, proving and demonstrating that he was alive and giving them his final instructions. And here's when the disciples or apostles are with him, they begin questioning him. They asked him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And Jesus replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they're not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In other words, Jesus says, don't worry about when these things will happen. The Father knows that, and if the Father knows about it, we don't have to worry about it. Our job instead is to keep reaching one more until the day he comes again. Then the very next verse, verse number 9, it says, After saying this, he, being Jesus, was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven. Here's where our promise comes in. But someday he will return from heaven in the same way that you saw him go. In other words, you're not alone. You've got a job to do. You've got a task. You've got work. But he's coming back. Don't worry about when he's coming back. Just know that until he comes back, be about the Father's business and keep reaching one more. We call Jesus' return the second coming. We also refer to it as the rapture of the church. And that word rapture, people have been talking about that for a long time. You've seen a bumper sticker or a t-shirt. Are you rapture ready? Or you've heard a song or read a book uh, or, or watched a movie about you've been left behind. Sometimes those things do create fear in us, but for us as believers, the second coming of Jesus is not something to fear. It's something to celebrate. It's something to look forward to. It's something to be excited about. And Paul tells us That information, that knowing about these things is the key to overcoming fear about these things. I want to show you 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse number 13. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13. Look at what it says. Now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen. Other translations of this verse say, we do not want you to be uninformed. So Paul says, we want you to know. To the, uh, what will happen to the believers who have died so that you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. So what Paul writes but under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, because the whole Bible is inspired of God and of the Holy Spirit, is that when a person dies, their spirit is transported into heaven, but their body remains here on earth. 
Then on the day that Jesus returns, their spirits will come back from heaven and be reunited, but not with the earthly body that we have now, with a transformed body. Because Paul tells us that these physical bodies can't make it to heaven. And that's really great news, because you're probably looking at me going, you need to transform your body. Well, guess what? My day's coming, and so is yours when that transformed body, and it's not just about the physical composition of your body, it's that pain or ache that you've been dealing with, that deficiency or that thing that in earthly terms is considered a handicap. It says our bodies are going to be transformed, that these physical bodies aren't ready to inherit. In fact, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Here's what Paul says. What I'm saying is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die. So some of us will be here when the rapture happens. I kind of sort of want to be here and hope I am here. Um, But we don't know again the day or the hour. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. And I underlined that word for you because it means exactly what you think it means. It means changed. But if you dig deeper into the explanation of that word, it doesn't mean just like Changed, it means to alter the nature or the substance of. In other words, these physical bodies can't inherit the kingdom of God. They have to be altered in such a way that they're ready to live forever in heaven. Now, Paul goes on to write, it will happen in a moment. And I underlined the word moment because for all of my really, really intelligent people uh, in the room, that word moment is the word atomos. It means atomic. It's atomic time. It's time that cannot be divided. It is like if a second is one one thousand, it is one millionth of one second. It's indivisible time. That's how fast it's going to happen. You know, when you go to the gym, you transform your body. They say you can't expect results for six months. I can't stay committed longer than six weeks. You know what I'm saying? And so this transformation is instantaneous in a moment when the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown, for when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever, and we who are living, we will also be transformed because, again, these physical bodies can't inherit heaven, so our lives, our bodies will be transformed. So we know what happens to people who have already died. They're going to come back and be reunited. Those of us that remain, our bodies are going to be transformed, and we're going to go up. Here's 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16. I'll slow down so we can all make sure we're together on this. The Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. We just read this part a minute ago. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Before we go to the last two sentences, that word caught up is a Greek word. It's harpazo. When the Bible was translated from Greek to Latin, they used the word rapto, and that's not endoraptor for Jurassic Park people. That is where the word rapture comes from, rapto, the Latin word rapto is there. And I'm going to tell you more about that word in just a second, but that's where we get rapture from. And then I love what Paul says, then we will be with the Lord forever. I see some of you in the room this morning have guests with you. And, you know, there are times when we're ready for our guests to leave, but there are other times when it's like, I wish you could stay longer. I wish you didn't have to go home. Well, guess what? There's coming a day when we will be with Jesus forever. We don't have to leave. There doesn't have to be separation. We're going to be with him forever. But the last sentence is actually my favorite because look at what he says. Encourage each other with these words. He doesn't say, go around scaring people, freak people out, make everybody nervous, stir up conspiracy theories and get people scared and stockpiling resources and all those things. Encourage each other. So that's my role today as pastor is we don't have to be afraid of the end or the things that are to come. We can be encouraged that Jesus is coming back for us, that he hasn't abandoned us. He'll never leave us and never forsake us. He is coming back. And what is he going to do? He's going to catch us up. That word Rapto. Lots of definitions for that word. Lots of explanations. I want to just give you my favorite because it's going to come into play here in just a second. The favorite uh, way that uh, harpazo or rapto can be translated is to claim for one's self. In other words, when Jesus comes back, he's going to say, they're mine. I'm claiming them for myself. 
Now this is important because watch what happens. Following the rapture, then there is a seven-year period of tribulation. The Bible tells us in the book of Daniel. And even Jesus in Matthew 24 said this. He said, for, for then there will be a great tribulation such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now and there never will be. And when I say the word tribulation, it usually causes people to think about Mexican food. How many of you, your minds immediately went to Mexican food when I said that? Because when you go out to eat Mexican food and they bring the chips and salsa to your table, do you pray pre-chip, post-chip, or did you forget to pray and so you pray mid-chip? Because there's these three different explanations of tribulation. Are we going to go up to heaven pre-trib or post-trib after the tribulation, or mid-trib, somewhere in the middle of the tribulation. There's a lot of opinions about that. And again, we're not going to study opinions this morning. We're going to look at what the Bible says about it. So Daniel chapter 12 and verse number 1 tells us, this is a prophecy Daniel said of what was going to happen. At that time, Michael the archangel who stands guard over your nation will arise then there will be a time of anguish greater than any since the nations first came into existence. But at that time, every one of your people whose name is written in the book will be rescued. Now, remember, just a minute ago, we gave the definition of rapture, of harpazo and rapto, to be claimed for oneself. Then Daniel says, every one of your people, the people that you claim for yourself, are going to be rescued. Anybody thankful that we serve a Jesus who's in the business of rescuing people? Now, Jesus himself spoke about the rapture of the church and the tribulation in Luke chapter 17. And I know I've said it before, but this is really the time. If you got the Bible, you got to open to it or your phone. Luke chapter 17, verse 26, Jesus talks about what happened with Noah in the Old Testament, book of Genesis, what happened with uh, Lot and his family in Sodom and Gomorrah. Let's read it together. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's days. In those days, the people enjoyed banquets and parties and weddings right up until the time Noah entered the boat and the flood came and destroyed them all. And the word will be, the world will be as it was in the days of Lot. People went about their daily business, eating and drinking, buying and selling, farming and building, until the morning Lot left Sodom. Then fire, burning sulfur, rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. So here's what we see from this passage. In Noah's rescue, God preserved Noah's family, put them in the ark, and then the flood came. God held off punishing Sodom and Gomorrah until the time that Lot's family had left the, the city. Jesus, who is saying these words in Luke 17, is making a powerful connection for us. What he is saying is, just like with Noah and just like with Lot and his family, we're going to be rescued before the judgment or the tribulation comes. Look at the very next verse, Luke chapter 17, verse 30. Yes, it will be business as usual right up until the day when the Son of Man is revealed. So it was like that with Noah. It was like that with, with Lot. Then verse 34, that night, two people will be asleep in one bed. One will be taken. The other will be left. Two women will be grinding flour together at the mill. One will be taken, and the other will be left. The word taken means, surprise, surprise, to receive unto yourself or to claim for your own. We've already heard that once before this morning, but I want to put you in the shoes of the disciples. Jesus is saying these words in Luke 17 to his disciples, and when he says or uses this language, they are immediately thinking about wedding language. Here's why. In a Jewish culture, when a man was engaged to a woman, he would leave the woman for a period of about a year, and during that year, he would go to his father's house. While he was at his father's house, he would construct or build on to the father's house a room or place where he and his bride could live together. After that period of time was over, again, typically it was about a year, he would return and he would receive unto himself his bride and take her back to his father's house where they would then live together. Now, our In the Vault text this month, John chapter 14 and verse number 3 from the King James Version of the Bible. Again, if I go and prepare a place for you like a husband would, I will come and paralambano, take you, receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Here's the reality. If we trust in the word of God, we don't have to be afraid. 
Jesus is going to receive us unto himself before the tribulation begins. Now, in, in Revelation 19, we learn that the tribulation ends with the battle of Armageddon. And the word Armageddon scares us, right? We make movies about it when we're having a really bad day at home and our kids left their toys everywhere. It's like Armageddon in the house, right? Like it's just a, a bad connotation behind that word. But what if we went into a battle or a game or a sporting event already knowing the outcome? How much confidence we would have if that happened? Well, we know the outcome of how the battle of Armageddon ends. Look at Revelation chapter 19, verses 19 through 21. We'll look at 19 and 20 first. I saw the beast, Satan, the kings of the world and their armies gathered together to fight against the one, that's Jesus, the one sitting on the horse and his army. And the beast was captured and with him the false prophet who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast. Miracles that deceived all who had accepted the mark of the beast and who had worshiped his statue. But look at verse, the second half of verse 20. Both the beast and his false prophet were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Their entire army was killed by the sharp sword that came from the mouth of the one, that's Jesus, riding on the white horse. We don't have to be afraid of the battle of Armageddon. We know who wins the battle of Armageddon. The Bible tells us that following the battle of Armageddon, that Christ will reign on this earth for a period of 1,000 years. Revelation chapter 20, verse number four. John writes in his, his writing, his vision, I saw thrones and I saw people sitting on them. They had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony about Jesus and for proclaiming the word of God. They had not worshiped the beast or his statue, nor accepted his mark on their foreheads or their hands. Before I get to the last sentence, there will be people who will miss the rapture and will be here during the tribulation, but will turn to Christ during the, the tribulation and will endure a horrible time, persecution and, and war and violence. And some of them, the Bible just said, will even be beheaded for their belief in Christ and their refusal to take what is commonly known as the mark of the beast. But John said in his vision, he saw those people sitting on thrones. And then he says the very last sentence, they came to life again and they reigned with Christ for 1,000 years. So there's a thousand year millennial reign of Jesus. And then there comes the final judgment. And this is the part that just, it's hard. It's tough, but we can't avoid it. We can't skip it. We can't gloss over it because Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 13 the sea gave up its dead, and death and grave gave up their dead, and all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. This is heartbreaking. This is absolutely heartbreaking. But it is also motivating because we still have time hear me we still have time the trumpet hasn't sounded yet and as long as there is breath in our lungs and it is still day we still have work to do and our job is not to scare people out of the lake of fire our job is to love people to a heaven where there's a Jesus who has prepared a place for us so that when he comes back, he will receive us unto himself, that where he is, we can be with him. I'm not done. I know that disappoints you. But bow your head for just a second because there's a lot of people that don't know Jesus. And if today were the day, if the trumpet did sound, they would be left. Before I finish the message, would you join me and can we pray for people who don't know Jesus? Come on, lift your voice with me. And in fact, if you know people, just speak their name out and just say, Lord, I thank you that, that they have received you. I thank you. Just see it through faith. Lord, in Jesus' name, we ask you for people who are far from you. Come on, pray with me. People who don't know you, people whose, whose hearts are hard towards you, Lord, would there be a softening and a breaking and will those walls come down and they would, would they receive your love? Would they accept your forgiveness and your grace? Lord, would you use us 
to reach one more. You have put us and left us. You said that until the time comes, our responsibility is to go into all the world and to preach the good news. Lord, use us to reach one more for your kingdom. Lord, I pray for people in really difficult countries where the gospel is not allowed. I pray for missionaries that are working around the world. Use them and increase their efforts, Lord. Help us. We want to reach one more for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. So the Bible tells us there is that final judgment, but after that final judgment, there comes the part that we've been talking about and waiting on and preparing for, and it's the new heavens and the new earth. Psalm 102, verse 25 David writes, long ago you laid the foundation of the earth and you made the heavens with your hands. They will perish, but you will remain forever. They will wear out like old, old clothing. You will change them like a garment and discard them. What he's saying is you're going to create a new heaven and a new earth, but you are always the same and you will live forever. And the children of your people, those he's claimed for himself, will live in security and their children's children will thrive in your presence. Again, I want to take a second and make sure this is clear because none of what we are talking about or reading about or teaching from should create fear in us. If God wanted to scare us, he wouldn't tell us what is coming. You know, when you go to a haunted house or a spooky place, they don't tell you, now in 20 seconds, somebody's going to jump out around that corner because that ruins the scare. But God tells us what's going to happen so that we don't have to be afraid. And we can overcome the fear that Satan tries to use by educating ourselves, by normalizing these things, by studying them. And here's what's happening in my life, and I hope it's happening in your life. The more I study about these things, the more excited I get for that day, the more hopeful I am, the more I'm convinced that it's true, and the more motivated I am to go share that reality with other people that we keep reaching one more. But let me give you a very important pastoral caution. Don't obsess over these things. It's great to study the end times. I'm all about it. We've got a great prophecy small group that meets Dr. Walker's right here, and I would encourage you to be a part of that. But don't obsess over these things. Instead, spend more time inviting people to heaven than stressing out about the details of the end. Trust God and walk in his peace. You remember our In the Vault text? It comes from John chapter 14 verse number one. In that same chapter, so in that same line of thinking, here's what Jesus says. I think it's verse uh, 20, John 14, 27. He says, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and of heart. We don't have to be troubled. We don't have to be afraid. He gives us peace. And the peace I give is that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. Remember what I told you. I'm going away, but I will come back to you again. If you really loved me, you'd be happy that I'm going to the Father because the Father is greater than I am. And I've told you these things before they happen so that when they do happen, you will believe. Jesus is preparing us so that Satan can't manipulate us through fear. That's part of why we're discussing it. The other part of why we're discussing this is because again, we're called to reach one more. In Titus chapter two, I'll close with this passage of scripture. The Bible tells us how we should live in the midst of or with the reality of this truth in our hearts and minds. He writes in verse 11, the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and from sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, with righteousness, and with devotion to God. The next part of the verse says, while we look forward with hope, to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us and to make us his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. He doesn't want to scare us. He wants to claim us for his own. Would you bow your head with me this morning? That's what it's about today is allowing Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life. S Satan has worked so hard to make us scared or nervous or worried. He's got us so distracted on what's going to happen and when it's going to happen and how it's going to happen that we forget that Jesus has a plan and he's gone to prepare a place and he's asked us in the intermediate time to trust in him. 
So today, that is my offer to you. That is my prayer. It's really God's offer. His invitation to you is to trust Him and to make Him the Lord and Savior of your, your life. We, we call it saying yes to Jesus. And maybe today's going to be the first time you've made that decision. I don't want you to do it out of fear. I want you to do it out of love because God's love is so real. It, it endures forever, the Bible says. And maybe you've said yes to Jesus at some point, but today you've been reminded from, especially from this last verse in Titus chapter 2, that you're not living in a way that's pleasing to God. Your decisions and your actions, your attitudes, your words are actually very far from God, very, very disconnected from the things of God. And you would say today, I want to recommit myself to living according to God's principles. I, I want to reaffirm my commitment to Him. I've been far from Him. I've been distant from Him. And the good news is that the arms that were nailed to the cross are still open wide to you today, receiving you back to himself. So if you're here in this room and you need to say yes to Jesus, maybe it's the first time or maybe you just want to recommit yourself to him, I in no way intend to embarrass you. I'm simply going to pray with you and for you. But if you want to say yes, would you just reach up your hand and just say yes, pray for me. I need to say yes to Jesus. Thank you for a hand that's already gone up. Anyone else that wants to lift a hand this morning and say yes to Jesus? And if you're online, Boy, this would be a great time to type the word yes in your chat box and to say, yes, I am saying yes to Jesus today. Thank you. I've seen another hand that has gone up this morning. I thank you so much for those of you who have been courageous and lifted your hands. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. When you lifted your hand this morning, you said that you believe. And now there's a prayer of confession. It's the first of many prayers that we'll pray together and that you'll pray to the Lord during your life with Him. I want to encourage everybody, whether you're here in the room or watching us online, let's all pray this prayer together. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. I'm sorry that I have sinned and lived a life that was not pleasing to you. Today I receive you as my Savior and Lord. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and make me more like you. And I will do my best to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet with me? Can we thank him that he's gone to prepare a place for us? Come on, let's give him praise. He's gone to do that. He's gone to do that. Pastor Grant's going to come in a second. We didn't end the, ser the first service this way, but I just feel prompted by the Lord. Thank you for trusting me in this moment. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I know that many of you in this room have a, pair, uh, a prodigal, excuse me, a prodigal son or daughter, maybe a husband or wife or loved one that you've just been believing God for and you've just been trusting for. Would you just bow your heads across this room? Father, in Jesus' name, I just ask for an anointing to rest on men and women. Lord, the tears they have cried, the prayers that they have prayed, the nights they've spent anguishing, broken, and hurting, I pray that you would redeem. I'm reminded of the story of the parable son where he went off and did his own thing, lived his own way, but when he came home, the father who you represent, the father said, kill the fatted calf, put a robe around his shoulders, put a ring on his finger because he's mine. He's mine and what once was lost has been found. And rejoice with me, rejoice with me, he said. Rejoice because that which was dead has now come to life. And Lord, I pray for families in this room that are believing for a loved one that is far from you. I pray you would anoint them and give them words to speak I pray that you would use them. And I pray that in this time when it seems like they're not listening, it seems like change isn't happening, that they would continue to love them and to love you and to trust your perfect plan. Because you've gone to prepare a place not just for us, you've gone to prepare a place for all. And you said there's more than enough room in your Father's house. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. We believe it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen, man. What a, what a remarkable.
reminder, what a, what a push, uh, a motivation to, to reach one more this week. I don't know about you, but I'm excited. I'm excited for opportunities this week for God to use me. But before we go, I do want to pray a prayer, a blessing over you. So if you're comfortable, uh, raise your hands. I want to pray for you this morning. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Amen. We love you guys. Have a wonderful week.